Welcome to the Premium Finance Show. Interviews and insights from industry professionals, helping you use financed insurance to provide tax-free withdrawals and extended estate protection. The Premium Finance Show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, John McDonough. On today's episode of the Premium Finance Show, we have Duncan McKeever, partner at B2B CFO, a fractional CFO service. And we talk about various topics ranging from exit strategies for business owners, either transferring to their children or grandchildren, the next generation, doing an ESOP plan, an employee stock ownership plan where they sell to the employees, or doing a third-party transaction where they sell to a financial buyer or a strategic buyer, and all of the things that are entailed into that type of transaction. But we also talk about the importance of business owners, whether they're thinking about an exit strategy or not, focusing in on getting sound financials, getting their P&L statement, their profit and loss statement, their balance sheet, their income statement, their cash flow statement, all of it buttoned up so that they're empowered to make strategic business decisions on a day-in, day-out basis. No more running your business by looking at your checking account every morning and seeing if you have enough money. Duncan does a great job articulating his services and also how important the Cool Springs model is inside of employee retention, inside of key employee agreements, buy-sell agreements, transitional agreements for business owners, how important the the Cool Spring strategy fits into that so you don't eat into the profitability and the cash flow of the company. Whether you think you need a CFO, even if you don't think you need a CFO, you'll benefit from listening to this podcast and taking action on it. Thanks for listening. Great info inside. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Premium Finance Show. My name is John McDonough, and today we're excited to have Duncan McKeever on as CFO specialist, business transition specialist, and, and really somebody that can be an arsenal, a tool in your arsenal to help you as a small business owner get your business where you need it to be, either from a financial standpoint to to become more financially profitable or from a business transition standpoint to get it ready for sale or succession planning. I mean, Duncan comes to us with more than 30 years of experience as a senior level executive with extensive finance, accounting, and operational experience in industries, including but probably not limited to energy, healthcare, security, printing, manufacturing, employment, financial services, Etc. Duncan has demonstrated a proven ability to improve operations, impact business growth, maximize profits through achievements in finance and accounting management, cost reduction, internal controls, productivity and efficiency improvements, has a strong qualifications in general management, business planning, systems technology, design, implementation, staff development and leadership. And Duncan, the list goes on. Thank you for joining the Premium Finance Show. Thank you, John. I appreciate you having me. You know, when we met and I ha- had you heard you speak at a retreat for one of my Vistage groups, your talk that day was on 
the exit strategy, succession planning for business owners. And we're going to we're going to come back to that in the conversation because that's critical. That's crucial to many of our clients at Cool Springs who are using us to help fund buy sell plans or key employment, key employee designs, executive bonus, employee retention, those types of things. But before you can get your business ready for sale or an exit or succession, you really need all the other components of that, which is your CFO services in line and working in unison with one another. Isn't that right? It's absolutely correct, John. It's If you want to have something to sell, you've got to get it in order and uh, and get it ready to be sold. But even more than that, a lot of times, you know, the ultimate soul may not ultimate goal may not be to sell a company. It may be to pass it on to to a child or to work in it till the day you die. But either way, I want to help business owners be successful in whatever their goals are. So that's a good point. And and really when I think about my experience in Cool Springs and the various business owners that we've come up to, we, you really have a couple different types of business owners. You have the business owner of a manufacturing company. They sell a widget. And then you've got the business owner of a service provider. They're a service company. You know, I'm thinking in the construction industry, they might be GMs or, or subcontractors or any type of service provider, specifically on the service provider side. How do you help that business owner that feels like they are the business? If they were to die, the business dies. If they are to walk away, there's nothing to sell because it's all tied to them. How do you help that service owner, business owner, service-driven business owner create a structure where it's not just about them anymore? It becomes a real legitimate operation. Sure. Well, it... It starts with understanding what the goals are of the business owner. Is he trying to build a, a business that he can sell and then go fishing for the rest of his life? Or again, is it something that he wants to uh, transfer to a child one day? And once we know that information and kind of kind of the analogy of, you know, if somebody stops me on the street and asks me if, if I can give them directions, the first thing I'm going to ask them is, where are you going? And that's what I ask business owners. Where are you going? Where are you trying to get to? And then I can come up with a plan and instruction. So on the service side of you know those types of businesses, it's typically a lot of times, as you point out, um, and this is going to sound a little bit funny, but it, it's helping business owners or any of their key employees become dispensable. And it's mm-hmm. a little bit counterintuitive sometimes for business owners to understand this, but really in any organization, everybody should be expendable if that is going to be to the betterment of the company. Uh, you cannot have a key employee or a key business owner that if they get hit by a bus tomorrow, the company goes under. So a lot of times it is about, you know, it can be as simple as cross-training, redundancy, bringing in additional personnel that are going to learn some of those trade secrets that business owners have developed over the years so that, again, we have continuity and, and longevity even after that key employee decides to exit the company or does so involuntarily, which sometimes happens. How often do the business owners not know how to answer the question, where are you going? It 
It happens from time to time. You know, sometimes people end up in a business maybe that they didn't start or or plan to get into, and whether it just fell into their lap or it was something they started out, you know, earlier in their career and worked their way up to the top, and they really haven't sat down and thought about it a lot. But that's where I get to play doctor. You know, I get to ask them things like, where does it hurt? You know, what's keeping you up at night? What are some of your struggles? What are some of your anxieties about the business? Where do you see room for improvement? Or what are some of the things that that really make you stressful or have a problem, you know, trying to figure out a solution for And usually after a few questions back and forth like that, I can get a pretty good sense or an idea on what their long-term objective is. And so the types of businesses and the size of businesses that you're dealing with are small to mid-sized, medium-sized companies. The question I have is you provide CFO for hire services. You are in essence, an independent contractor that can come in and help clean up my company on the financial side as my CFO for hire, but yet I don't necessarily need or can't afford a full-time CFO position. Kind of what's that, what's that line of demarcation, Duncan, where Maybe I don't need an accountant or a bookkeeper anymore. And now I've graduated to needing a CFO, but I don't quite need a full-time CFO. Where, where do you fit into that spectrum? Sure. And there's no hard, steadfast numbers uh, to use or, or, or lines drawn in the sand on this. But typically up to 75 or $100 million in revenue, that's where I would be a good fit. You know, above and beyond that, a company probably needs a full-time CFO, but under 75 or 100 million, you know, I like to say that every company needs CFO services, but not every company needs a full-time CFO. And so that's where I kind of fit that gap in between needing the the CFO services, but not needing a full-time CFO. All my services are are as needed and only pay for the time in which I'm I'm, uh, (laughs) working for the company. And you know, by and large, most of the time, companies don't know that they need CFO help. And so from from that standpoint, you know, they know they need accounting, but I'm not the guy to do the debits and credits. I'm coming at this much more from a strategic standpoint rather than a tactical. And so from strategic, I'm helping them to answer questions. You know, a lot of times business owners don't necessarily have somebody around them that they can bounce business ideas off of or see what cash flow projections would be for a new line of equipment, that sort of thing. And so when I engage with a client, it's going to be, again, from the strategic standpoint of trying to help understand what it is going to take and what's going to be needed to achieve their goals, as well as understanding what their business is doing right now. And that all comes down to current, timely, and accurate financials. And so that's kind of the starting point that that we want to get, you know, get to is we have accurate financials that we can rely on. And those financials are telling us a story and they're um, helping us to make good business or being used to make good business decisions. And that's really what kind of gets us started for those types of clients. Again, it's all as needed. So it's you're not paying for something that you're not getting. You know, you bring up a good point, and I want to make sure that the listeners 
hear this because there's lots of business owners listening to this podcast. When we have, from a Cool Springs perspective, in order for us to put a design together for a business, we have to get a copy of their P&L, their balance sheet, their most recent tax returns, because we need to know a projection. Like you said, we need it to tell a story in terms of the financial picture or temperature of the company when we're putting a design together. Projections are great too, but most of the time they don't have forecasted projections. That'd be a really welcome thing to see for us at the beginning of the relationship, but most of the time they don't have that. However, in the 15 million to probably that $100 million company range, and it varies, but 15 to 100 million, it's shocking to me, Duncan, to see how many companies do not have well built out P&L and balance sheet on a quarterly basis. I mean, annually, really, but quarterly, much less monthly basis. And, and when I ask them, who's doing this for you? You know the answer, but most of the time it's, well, I ask my accountant, my CPA, my bookkeeper, but they don't really do that. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I know mm -hmm. you and I've had this discussion off to the side before, which is, you know, P&Ls and balance sheets are something that's needed in an electronic file almost on a daily basis for business owners to be able to look back at to make those strategic decisions. Like, how do you know as a business owner, if you don't have properly structured financials to see where you are? How do you know whether you can afford that new piece of equipment or to hire that new employee or to try this new marketing tactic? Oftentimes, we've just gone off of our gut. But what you, the service you provide is it's not a gut feeling anymore. That's part of it. But you can use data, financial data to help support that decision. Absolutely. You know, I often say that you can manage your business uh, without good, timely, and accurate financials, but you're doing so with one arm tied behind your back. And a lot of times, you know, I find business owners who did not come from a finance background. So they they may have a general knowledge of their financial statements, but until you truly understand, or unless you truly understand how the balance sheet, income statement, cash flow statement all work together, how they transfer and flow from one sheet to the other, and basically how to determine what they're telling. Again, you're kind of going at it uh, a little bit blind. And so I see a lot of business owners that, that may, you know, they check their bank state, their bank account on a daily basis. And, and that's how they determine whether or not they have cash to, to do a simple project or even make payroll. And, and that's just no way to manage your company. And so until you have those financial statements, understand them, or at least have somebody else that understands them and can help navigate those those dis business decisions, you're really going at it at a disadvantage. So you talked about you have experience in quite a few different industries, and then there's nuances within all of those industries and all of the different companies that you've worked with. How do you know what each client needs, Duncan? How do you strategically help each client individually when you've got such a vast array of clientele? Well, there are certain innumerable facts uh, that translate from 
industry to industry, especially in the accounting world. Debits are debits and credits are credits. But taking that information and, and putting it into the financial spreadsheets in terms of um, gross profit and maybe you're indexing it a, a, against industry standards or competitors to see where you stack up, determining whether your labor costs are in line with with other uh, companies that, that do the same thing, provide the same service or, or make the same widget that you do is really going to give you a, a much better understanding of not only where you are, but, but, but where you're going. And so, again, it doesn't matter whether I'm in, in healthcare or in the oil patch or dealing with the realist. There are certain accounting and, and CFO functions that are going to translate across all industries. And so I can use that knowledge. And sometimes it, it, it takes a little bit of time to get in and really understand where the company is and, and what their goals are and how they're performing. I can't just walk in on day one and say, you know, we need to refinance your debt and and, and seek an SBA loan. It, it, it takes a little bit of time. But once those pieces start falling together in terms of any specificity within an industry that may be different than another industry. Once all that data starts coming together, it becomes very clear exactly where the pain points are, what needs to be done to fix them, and how we can start building and growing moving forward. Is there a common pain point or is there a common issue slash problem that you find is uniform across all your companies? Well, this isn't 100% across all companies, but I would say the majority of companies that I run across have a common issue, which is cash flow and how they're they're managing that cash flow. Or a lot of times they're not managing that cash flow. Again, they wake up, they check their bank account, and, and they know whether they're good for the day or not. So getting that that cash flow piece of the equation first of all, identified, recognized, and understood is key to helping moving forward. I mentioned earlier, you know, perhaps of refinancing debt. There's lots of strategies that you can do to help improve cash flow, whether it's shortening receivable time, stretching payable time, refinancing debt, and then all the caveats that come in with within those specific areas, whether you're going to you know, refinance debt with, with equity or cheaper debt or maybe a combination. And so, you know, it, it, it's a lot of a lot of nuances down underneath the layers. But from a fifty thousand foot level, a lot of times I see cash flow issues. That's that's a lot of times why I get a call. Well, and so and then then you have the the tips and tricks and, and and experience that you're able to bring in with your experience. But then that's also where you said the strategic discussions come into play because you can address short-term cash flow issues, but then you can also help the business owner with long-term strategic cash flow initiatives. And that's a huge point to me because as a business owner, we're left to make executive level decisions in a vacuum with no nobody to bounce ideas off, nobody to counter the argument to see the other side of the coin. I mean, so we just make decisions. So that's a, I mean, I can see the value in just having a fellow executive that's got my company's best interest in mind, looking at it from a different perspective, which is kind of what you were talking about from the strategic side of things, or do, or is it a different type of strategic no, absolutely. You're you're spot on. And and so 
business owners probably understand the dilemma in front of them or they've identified the dilemma. Maybe it's a question of should I open up a, a new store on, you know, on the corner or should I uh, just buy my competitor who's across the street? If I open a new store, how am I going to finance that? Where are those funds going to come from? Those sort of things. So they understand, you know, I've got some decisions to make and some issues that need to be resolved, but they don't necessarily have the tools or know-how to go through that process, project cash flow need, understanding where the timeliness uh, of where the money is coming from and, and where it needs to go. And that, as you point out, is where I come in terms of a sounding board. I want to sit down and, and listen to what the ideas, what the plans are of a business owner. And then I might start probing a little bit in terms of, you know, how are you going to fund that? Where are those funds going to come from? And are they sufficient? What if projections um, are overestimated and we don't get the the revenue bump that we think we're going to get from opening a new store or buying a competitor, or what have you? And so it really comes down to a lot of analysis and spreadsheet and forecasting and so forth that I can do uh, to help bring clarity to that decision making process for the business owner. So what about the issue of the great resignation and employment issues? Have you been dealing with that or has that come up with any of your clients over the past six months or so? Absolutely. You know, we all, we've all seen it. We've all read about it, heard about everybody moving to gig work or work from home, or, or it, it just seems that no matter what position you're trying to hire for your company, it's difficult to find that, that talent, that right fit, that person who can come in and, and be a, a positive impact uh, on your team. And so it's a struggle. It's, it, it, there's not an easy solution for that. It's definitely a, a worker's market and not an employer's market in terms of trying to find good help. But that's where a lot of times relationships, resources, and networking come into play to not just identify those needs, but help find uh, the right person that's going to be able to fill those needs. Yeah. And I was really thinking about the challenge of employee retention you know, which we'll get into here with selling the company or exit strategy or, or succession planning. But, you know, you've got one or two or three key people in your company. I mean, they're, they are outside of the business owner, the glue that keeps the company running for various reasons, right? And you can't afford to lose them. However, they are attractive, they're attractive to your competitors They're attractive to other industries. And these people know they are attractive. And so they're not necessarily, you know, out there promoting themselves, but they're not telling people that they're not open for a discussion. And so you have this issue of how do you retain your key people without giving away too much equity or paying too much in a bonus so it's a cash flow issue and maybe an equity issue, but at the same time, to prevent them from being lured away to a different firm that's going to offer them a higher salary, a bigger bonus, more types of long-term incentive plans. How are you addressing some of those issues with your clients right now? Sure. It's, I, I call it stickiness. How do, you, how do you make the company sticky to help retain those key employees? And, uh, and keep them from, from being poached. 
And a lot of times it can be something as uh, as simple as kind of reviewing your current payroll and and salaries and then benchmarking that against uh, industry standards or, or competition. What are your competitors paying for their you know top managers? And are you in line with that? But a lot of times it goes beyond that. And, and I think that's where, where a firm like Cool Springs can come in and be a huge help in determining and setting up some plans to not just provide the incentive, but also the financial reward for those employees, whether it's, you know, dangling a carrot or not. But it, it, it's at the end of the day, you're providing that, that financial incentive for the em- employees to stay with the firm and not be lured or poached away to a competitor. No, that's a great point. And and there is no silver bullet, right? I mean, the culture of the company has to be welcoming and warming and has to be a nice place to work. They have to, you know, people, I've heard the term or the saying, people leave people, they don't leave companies. So whether or not the, the hierarchy of the organization is set up properly in their direct reports, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, money and that golden handcuff has a lot to do with it. So, so you definitely bring up a good point there. I'm going to transition Absolutely. just for a second and ask about the succession plan. I call it succession planning, but for you, it's like selling or an exit strategy. At what stage should a business owner start to engage your services to, to plan out an exit? Well, I like to tell business owners that it's never too early uh, to start thinking about an exit strategy. And again, even, even that, that also sounds working, like that also sounds like you know an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Like that doesn't seem, you know, from a from my business owner standpoint, that makes sense. But really, when should they start to look at you? Yeah, so it, it, it's never too early. But I would say that certainly you know, within, if somebody comes to me and they say, I want to sell my business in two to five years, perfect. We've got time. We can assess where it is you want to be on the day of closing in terms of financial reward for that sale or exit. But, and then we have time to, to make adjustments and get things ready, but there's not a steadfast rule. If somebody comes to me and says, I'm ready to sell my business today, I'm going to tell them a couple of things. Number one, you're probably not ready. Uh, today. It's going to take a little bit of time. So let's start identifying what needs to be, what work needs to be done ahead of that sale or ahead of even going to the market. But the, the second thing as well is looking at what it is that you're trying to uh, achieve from this exit or succession in terms of, you know, it, it, it could be selling the company to the employees. It could be going public. It could be transferring ownership to a to a child. And so, whatever that that ultimate goal is, each one sometimes can take a different length of time to get to the finish line or cross the finish line. And so, I would just you know sum it up by saying the earlier the better. But certainly, you know, if somebody has doesn't even have plans or if they're not even thinking um, about an exit, they need to realize that there are still things that need to be done today or could be done today to help prepare for that future exit or even an unexpected exit, which unfortunately happens sometimes where, you know, somebody gets hit by the proverbial bus or is no longer able to perform their function. And if they haven't done anything up until that point, they find themselves in a much, much worse off position. 
you know, you, uh, <laughs> I just had a thought while you were going through that. I just applied for and, and got approved for an additional 25 million of, of coverage of death benefit coverage. And when I told my wife who was hounding me to get it done, and when I finally got it done, I'm like, I'm approved, you know, we're sending in the check. Here we go. You know what she said? She's like, okay, good. That's a very unnerving feeling when your wife says, okay, good. That's, <laughs> that's <no. laughs> I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Might want to, might want to sleep with one eye open, but, but, uh, but, you know, I understand where she's coming from as well, because it's at the end of the day, it's a little bit about peace of mind and, and putting those ducks in a row so that you know that you planned for the unseen and that those things do happen from time to time. And so what is peace of mind or the ability to sleep comfortably at night worth to you? And that's where, you know, we need to come up with, with the strategies, whether it's a life insurance policy or, or something else that is going to help take care of that, that unforeseen possibility. Yeah, and from a business owner's perspective, when we employ other people, so we have employees and we provide for those employees, families, and those families have lives and kids go to school and they have dreams and aspirations. The continuity of our business is critical to the lives of our employees and their families, not just our clientele, which are as important as our employees are, right? So that sleep ability, that sleep factor at night, having a CFO that can help put together the profit and the cash flow statement, those are the beginning foundational pieces of having a business that will live or continue on beyond the death of the owner. And the caveat to that or the continuation of that, Duncan, is having the business owner to be able to remove themselves from the daily operations and become more of an executive and less of a manager so that, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, they're removing themselves from the daily operations, right? And so if they are dead, unfortunately, or disabled, the business keeps moving. Did I say that in a way that you would agree, seeing as that's what you do every day? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's it unfortunately, it's a topic or an issue that that most people don't want to deal with. And so they sweep it under the rug and decide, well, I, I can always deal with that tomorrow. And sometimes there is no tomorrow. It's needs to be de- dealt with today and identifying how best to deal with it. That's where I can come in as well as bringing some of my network partners like Cool Springs to address those situations and provide that peace of mind that you're looking for, that that sleep at night. So you said two to five years. Is two years enough time if they are a complete train wreck with their financial statements? Is that enough time for you to go from ground up to get a company ready for some sort of exit? It's it's not ideal, but it, it depends, again, on what their objective is. If they just want to sell the company and, you know, 
damn the sale price, whatever it is, I'll take it. Yeah, two years is enough. But if they tell me, look, I've got, you know, a million dollars of EBITDA and, and I need to sell this company for $15 million. Well, first of all, I'm going to say you're probably not going to get 15 for it. But if we have a couple of years and we know we can grow that EBITDA, double it, maybe even in that time frame, then we can still meet that objective. So depending on what their objective is, two years may or may not be enough time. But typically speaking, it's a good kind of starting point for a company that is already operating at least some sort of efficiency and not a big train wreck, as you pointed out. So which one is the most exciting type of exit for you to plan? The exit to um, a third party where they're just selling for a multiple of their EBITDA? Is it selling to the employees and some type of employee stock ownership plan? Or is it selling, really, it's not selling, but kind of gifting or transitioning to family members? Which one of them excites you the most? Well, typically, the one that excites me the most is going to be selling to a strategic buyer. And that is somebody who probably is already in your industry in some capacity. They may be further up or further down the food chain, so to speak, but they're a strategic buyer is going to be looking for two plus two equals five. They are usually willing to to pay extra or a maximum amount to get that extra two plus two equals five within their own organization. It's much more of a strategic move rather than strictly a financial buyer who might be simply focused on, you know, return on investment. And so to me, that's the most exciting because there's a lot of pieces that need to fit together to make sure it's a fit. You brought up earlier in in terms of employment, you know, making sure you got the right people. When you're talking about any kind of merger or acquisition, putting two companies together, culture becomes a huge factor. But it's not just that. It, it can be the other efficiencies, gain, synergies, call them what you will. Those type of things is what gets you that extra multiple and uh maximizes the the value of the company. So I I really get excited on a strategic buyer. But at the end of the day, as long as we're meeting the objectives of the the business owner, I'm excited uh, to help them through any type of an exit. Yeah, that makes sense what you're saying. A strategic buyer will pay a premium because they can instantly plug and play and get the value that they're looking for, as opposed to a financial buyer I think that's what you called them. They're looking mm-hmm. for an ROI. They're looking for a discounted purchase to some degree to then get a cash flow payment or something off of that, right? What about stock ownership, employee stock ownership plans or ESOPs? Are you seeing many of those done anew these days? Well, yes and and no. I've been through a few ESOPs <clears throat> in my career, and I will tell you they're probably the more stringent or, or a little bit more of an uphill um, battle uh, to get done than just a typical, you know, let's negotiate a sale price, boom, we're done, the, the company's yours. Because there's a lot of regulation that goes involved, that is involved in an ESOP. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of value and benefits to going the ESOP route, whether that's just the tax uh, savings benefit or the, again, the the peace of mind and the uh, satisfaction that comes with from a business owner having built his baby, his company into something that now is going to be enjoyed and owned by the employees of the company. There's a certain intangible that goes with that 
when you have an employee that is also an owner. In fact, when you have all employees that are also owners within a company, that creates a whole new dynamic and a whole new culture that we were talking about earlier within the firm. And that can be very exciting and fulfilling for a business owner uh, who wants to go that direction. And then we brought up transferring to family members. I've always thought that's the toughest one for the business owner because how do you realize value when you're transferring it to to family members, really kids or grandkids, the next generation. How do you view it since you see a lot of it when the business owner wants to, they don't want to sell to a third party. They don't want to sell to a a strategic purchaser or a financial purchaser. They don't want to do an ESOP. They're like, nope, this is going to my kids. This is going to my future generations. How do you do that? Well, a lot of times, first, first thing, that we need to do is sit down with that with that kid and make sure that this is what they want. I've seen a lot of business owners who have plans to transfer to to one of their children, the company, but the child maybe has different plans and may be working at the company for now, their father or mother, but their long-term objectives are different. And so we need to get to the bottom of that. But assuming that they are on board as well, then it becomes a an exercise in creativity to determine the best way because you correctly point out how is how's the owner or the father or the mother going to get paid how are they going to get that big payday uh, by selling to their child and that's where uh, there's a lot of creative structures that can come in uh, to play to help achieve both goals one being the financial security and and freedom for the parents to ride off into the sunset after the sale but also not strapping the son or daughter that they transfer the business to with a whole lot of debt and then taking over and operating that company. Do you see lots of installment sales in those types of structures where they pay them out over time? Yeah, that's typically one of the the factors that comes in. So they might not get a lump sum, but they're going to get a, a piece of the of the profits for a period of time until they are deemed paid out. That can help lighten the burden. But as long as it, again, and this is where some of my services can come into play, as long as it's putting un, undue burden or strain on the cash flow of the company, you know, that and that all needs to be analyzed as to what amount would cause that burden or strain. But once once we can determine that, basically determining what the company can afford on an ongoing basis moving forward to to not put too much stress on the cash flow of the company, what it can afford to pay out to the to the parents that are, are looking to ride off into the sunset. But regardless of what exit the business owner is looking for and, and really regardless of, of the period of time, the only way to sell the business is to have a proper valuation of the business done, right? And there's multiple methods for valuating businesses. And the only way to get a proper valuation of your business is to have your financials, your P&L, your balance sheet, your income statement, your cash flow statements all buttoned up in order to get the proper EBITDA calculation and then the recasted EBITDA potentially to get the multiple and to get the proper valuation, irrespective of the method of sell. By and large, taking ESOP out of play. Would you agree with that? 
Absolutely. The old saying, garbage in, garbage out, applies here. If you're not dealing with the correct set of information at the beginning, then when you try to either put a multiple or some sort of cash flow, uh, discounted cash flow methodology, whichever value or metric that you're going to be using, if you don't start with accurate and correct data, then you're going to get garbage on the on the output. So you made an offer to us at my Vistage meeting. Do you remember the offer you made to my fellow CEO and business owners? I probably do. <laughs> um, is that something you'd be willing to discuss? I'm, th- I'm putting you on the line because we did not talk about this in the pre-call, but it just came to me now and how valuable that could be to the listeners if they tried to take you up on it. Yeah. So one of the, you know, there's, it's not just me when I come into, to any situation, whether it's CFO or or exit for a potential client, it's my whole firm and it's the tools that, that I have. And so to that point, you know, we, as a firm put together a book that is, I think, very instructive for any business owner that may want to look at an exit at some point in the future. But we also have software that, that is for all intentional purposes, helps you do a preemptive due diligence of your business, which will help unturn uh, any problems or skeletons in the closet. But in doing all of that, I can then use that software to calculate several different valuations of the same company. Again, assuming that we have good, accurate financial data to start with. And so whether we're looking at a multiple of EBITDA, one of the more common metrics used um, in valuing a company, or I mentioned earlier, discounted cash flow. There's literally, you know, tens of twenties of different kinds of valuation methods. And depending on what industry you're in and who the buyer may may steer you in one direction or another as to what the more uh, common or accepted valuation is going to be for your company. But it, it gets you in the ballpark and it can give you a myriad of, of different ways to look at your company in terms of value for the business. And so if they wanted to get that done, how would they reach out to you? Well, you can reach me at my, my cell phone number, which I don't mind giving out to anybody is 281-788-3747. And my email address is Duncan McKeever at b2bcfo.com. And you can and also check contact. out our website. At, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I go was ahead. just going to say, we also, you can check out our company website and find me that way at b2bcfo. That's the letter B, the number two, the letter B, cfo.com. Sorry to step on you there. I was just going to say, I was going to, I can put that contact info at the bottom um, of the podcast so they can click right on it and, and shoot you an email or give you a phone call. And I, I really encourage you guys to take Duncan up on that offer. It, it's a great starting point for a conversation to take a snapshot, to see where you're at. If you think you need a CFO, you do, <laughs> right? The moment you start thinking you need one, you, you, you're beyond needing a CFO because your business has gotten to that point where your mind is allowed to think about those certain things where, you know, a CFO is, is valuable, not just from the foundational financials, P&L, balance sheet, income statement, cash flow statement that Duncan talked about, 
in as much as for the strategic conversations and idea exchange and really having a peer that is like-minded and, and has your company's best interest at heart, not as a competitor to help you grow and be successful. Duncan, any last nuggets of wisdom for our business owners listening? Well, you made the point that as soon as you think you need a CFO, you do. I would challenge business owners in saying that even if you don't think you need a CFO, you do. And a little bit more detail on that. You know, a lot of times I run into business owners and they say, well, I've already got a CFO. And after a little more digging, I find out that they do have a very strong, you know, controller slash bookkeeper person, but they're just doing the tactical work. They're closing month in and doing the bank wrecks and so forth. That's not where I come in. And so from a strategic standpoint, whether you think you do or whether you think you don't, I can assure you that you can always benefit uh, from that strategic input and knowledge that uh, that I can bring. Touche. That's a great point. Duncan, thanks for joining us on the Premium Finance Show. I am certain I'm going to ask you to come back on at a later date so we can add on to this conversation. Thanks, Duncan. That's thanks wonderful, for John. On. I appreciate you. Okay, man. Talk to you. There we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at premiumfinanceshow.com. And you can find out more about all the ways we can help you at coolspringsfinancial.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.